Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in IndyCar guest episode. We have our man, Oliver Askew. I really dig this kid. Been saying for a little while on the podcast, he strikes me as a very potential candidate being referred to as Alexander Rossi 2.0. Ruthless efficiency, exceptional talent guy who gets the job done. And that's just in his, call it, amateur career. Coming up the road to Indy, winning the 2019 Indy Lights Championship with Andretti Autosport. Now heading into his rookie campaign with the Aero McLaren SP outfit. Don't want to put too much on the kid's shoulders, but I'm just saying we have a very, very incredible rookie crop this year between himself, his Indy Lights protagonist, Renus VK, over at Ed Carpenter Racing, Alex Palou over at Dale Coyne Racing, who I think he's going to be a real sleeper since... Folks still don't know what to... Heck, they don't even know he exists. So I think he's one who's definitely going to surprise folks. Scott McLaughlin, who we think is going to be doing up to half the season with Team Penske. Good old Ollie here. Who needs a nickname, which we get into. Ollie from Oliver, it's kind of easy. It's not a real nickname. That's just a contraction, right? Got to come up with a proper nickname for him. So we need your help, listeners. Um good interview with him this rookie season i'm cannot wait to get to knowing what last year was like heck even the year before uh all together i'm a happy guy and so it was really really good to get a little over a half hour 35 ish maybe even 40 minutes with young mr askew he had some things to do i had some things to do so we weren't able to go as long as usual for the week in indycar but nonetheless good stuff with him getting his thoughts about the season ahead also how the recent spring training went where he was second fastest and fastest among the two cars on the team with young pato award the 2018 indy lights champ as his teammate and as i usually do anytime we mention pato during the conversation give him a really hard time because he's a lovable little fellow you got to give him a hard time can't make it easy on him so that's what we got for you right now Trying to think of some other things I can share with you before we get rolling into the interview. Uh, Our pals at Dragon Speed now have an aero screen on the way. They had to miss the spring training session at Circuit of the Americas because despite updating their Delara DW12 tub, which carries that glorious Chevy engine, to receive that aero screen, uh, there wasn't one ready to send. And I know that Dragon Speed was getting a bit frustrated as they have some testing on the books for next week at Sebring. And we're staring at the same car with nothing to attach to the cockpit. And so they did what you have to do sometimes. Sometimes you have to be the squeaky wheel. And they let it be known on social media with a fine photo of the car ready to go, barring that arrow screen. Hey, waiting, waiting. And a thing that was previously unavailable magically is going to be here now in time for them to install and test. So that's great to hear. Great to know they will be doing six races this year, starting off at St. Pete with Ben Hanley. Not sure who all is going to be in the car from there. 
Spencer Piggott confirmed this morning with the Citroen Buell Autosport Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan entry. As I mentioned on the thing that I tweeted out, that explains why Spencer didn't return my call yesterday. Often happens. No harm, no foul. When a driver or a team suspects you're calling because you know something and the news is yet to break, it's not a surprise when they don't pick up the call or return until after it has been announced. Asked our man Robin Miller last night if he could give Bob Rahal a call and chase this down as well, knowing that I was getting into the last of eight magazine features due for the upcoming IndyCar season preview and the IMSA season returning type content at Sebring that'll be due in the next Racer Magazine, I think set to come out here just a re- just before, a couple days before St. Pete leading into Sebring. So that was dominating my night. Good to know that, frankly, there's no real need to, I guess, chase it because they done confirmed it this morning. So good on them. Happy for Spencer. Truly happy for Spencer. And if this goes the way that it should... Would hope that some IndyCar teams who maybe discounted him or his potential, just hoping they'll have a reason at the Indy Grand Prix in the third Ray Hall car and the Indy 500. Think about him a little more. Definitely think about him a little more. Other quick note to mention before we get rolling with your questions. Looks like Indy 500 options for my French fry. Half of the Hamburger and French Fry show, Sebastian Bourdais. Looks like that window's not just closing, but maybe bolted shut for him to be in the 500. There was significant interest in having him in the car that Fernando Alonso ended up occupying at Aero McLaren SP. So that door's window is closed. There's some hope that maybe there'd be some interest at Ray Hall, but they want money, and that's not something Seb brings. Not a lot else left. Carlin, obviously, is one of them. They want money. Pretty much everybody wants money. Only thing I know of that might, and this is a fairly tiny chance from what I have heard, could Foyt put together a fourth car? For the speedway, I don't know if they have the personnel. I don't know if they're ready, willing, and able and all that. But I've heard that the four-timer himself, Anthony Joseph Foyt, really likes the idea of Sebastian being in a car for the speedway. But where would that money come from? Is AJ going to pay for someone to drive his car? Uh, a fourth car, I should say. Is he going to come out of pocket to make that entire entry happen? That hasn't really been the trend for a while. So, yeah, uh, that bummed me out. Not just because it would hamper our ability to do daily hamburger and french fry shows with Seb at the Speedway, but that guy has been pretty darn fast at the old Brickyard. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't want to depress you before we get started. But nonetheless, just trying to give you a little bit of update of things that I have heard. I'm going to post this here now, just momentarily. It is about 9 a.m. California on Thursday. Still waiting to hear news of Jerry Hildebrand confirmed at Dryan Reinbold. So, we're getting there, friends. The month of May 
the Indianapolis 500. And those who intend to practice and qualify and hope to make the show, that list is almost completely filled out. And so there's one or two other rumblings. Uh, I've heard of a driver who's yet to be named wanting to see if and what they could make happen in a particular seat. Uh, with today's announcement about Piggott, know that uh, that has become harder. So just so few seats left at the dance that, yeah, we, we might be pretty close here to being able to lock down every entry we anticipate for the 500. And if we could do that end of February, that would be rather remarkable. All right, let's get going here with our man Oliver Askew, the number seven Aero McLaren SP entry, and that big power-making, torque-making, fuel-efficient Chevrolet behind him that went quick like a bunny at spring training. On our little show here, our guest... IndyCar episode brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, Toronto Motorsports, and Bell Racing Helmets, USA. You know, there's a guy from Florida, tall drink of water, likes to win him some championships, been on the podcast a couple of times before, been part of a live show, never though as an official NTT IndyCar Series driver how you doing reigning indie lights champ oliver asks you and how does it feel to get the big boy questions here for the first time visiting the week in indycar yeah i'm excited uh that's that's uh, that title sounds good and i'm uh yeah it's always great to be here marshall well most of the questions are about nudity so i hope you don't mind uh, i don't know why they've gone in that direction but uh i guess i need to pay closer attention to your instagram account uh, all kidding aside, you looking forward to a season here with the Arrow McLaren SP team, team where we don't always use the uh, the letters and that acronym in that exact direction. Sometimes we shuffle them up with SPAM as we describe the team. Nonetheless, you and Pato Award and a new guy, some old fart, is joining the team, the proprietor of the Fernando Alonso race team coming to join you for the Indy 500. So got a lot of great questions here. Hopefully they will be fun. We're going to kick things off with not the spirit animal of the show. We've decided he's either a spirit vegetable or fruit. Ryan Terpstra says, Oliver, how do you look at the timing sheets from the most recent spring training session at Circuit of the Americas? He says, you obviously know what fuel and tires uh, you were on to set your lap times and such. Curious if it's hard to judge your pace coming out of spring training where what I believe you were seventh fastest overall compared to mm-hmm. others. So let's get into spring training. How did that go? Tell us what you felt about the overall pace of your hot rod and then maybe the team as a whole. Yeah, I thought it went really well. Um, you know, we, we set some goals that we needed to achieve going into that um, test. And I feel like we, we achieved them even in the, in the half day that we had, obviously um, it would have been, great for us to run for for two days uh, especially for myself because i haven't had um, that much time in the indy car yet um but that's a track that i've had success at in the past i I felt really good there last year in indy lights and um i thought the times were were very representative um honestly i felt like we we left a little bit on the table um we went p4 and then got shuffled back to p7 as the track got better and better 
as we approach the evening on the second day. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was very representative. We, we, uh, achieved what we needed to, and it was, it's great to, uh, to have both, uh, Air McLaren SP cars in the top 10. And I think that's, um, I think we definitely made a statement and, and hopefully we can just, we can just keep executing and keep that pace going. So, um, all in all, it's a, it was a great, um, you know, positive boost for us. What was your mindset going into Coda? And I would even say coming out Oliver. And is it any different than what I've normally seen from you, which is hyper goal oriented? That's maybe different than some drivers who go into a test, a race, or a practice, whatever, with a obviously I'm going to do my best, but we'll see what happens. You've never struck me as a eh, we'll just see what happens kind of guy. <laughs> no, no. And I think um, the, the goal hasn't changed. You know, it's, it's very important for me at the moment to. Um, learn everything I can about the IndyCar and about about the series and and um, how the team runs and um, working with with new personnel within the team. I have new engineers, um, new mechanics, and there's a new there's a new procedure to to driving an IndyCar. You know, the tires are different. Um, there's fuel saving now. There's pit stops. That's been um, big for me to kind of wrap my head around. And uh, between running the sim and the few days that we've had. Uh, in driving the car on track, I think that we've made some great progress heading into St. Pete. We have one more day of testing uh, on Tuesday in Sebring, and then after that, it's uh, we should be well equipped. Well equipped. Let's go to Jamin Tuttle. It says Oliver, congratulations on the drive. He says you're going to see 23 to 24 cars every race, and at places like the Indy GP and maybe others, you might see upwards of 27 to 28 cars on the road course. He says, after several years running in Indy Lights and some of the Road to Indy series where there were smaller uh, smaller grid sizes, he's curious, how do you prepare for these upcoming crazy starts and restarts with that many cars? <laughs> and he asks, can simulator time help at all? Uh, simulator time, not so much. Maybe iRacing. Unfortunately, I don't have that just yet. But um, honestly, it doesn't change you're always just racing the guy in front of you or the two, two drivers in front of you. So, you know, the field might be bigger and, um, you might be around different drivers every single lap or every single race. But, um, in the end, you know, you're, you're just focused on what's going on in front of you and it's, it's usually just one car. So the, the field size, I think mainly is, uh, will be more difficult in qualifying with, with how tight the times are. Um, you know, you can be, you can be five tenths off and be outside the top 15. So I think just putting that lap together and qualifying is, is going to be even more important now this year heading into IndyCar. Let's go to Greg Liver's Edge. This is Oliver, the obvious elephant in the room. Comes to the off season and the driver changes at Aero McLaren SP regarding James Hinchcliffe and his departure. It says as, one of the two new drivers coming in. He's curious if you've received any backlash from fans, anything negative about you joining a team where, admittedly, there was one driver, super popular driver, who is beloved. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to speak too much on that, but um, I mean, I, I can say I haven't had uh, too much negativity pointed towards toward, towards my direction. So. Well. There's plenty of time, so and I've got a lot of ideas. So <laughs> wait till the season gets going here. Why don't we uh, go to Zach Eckler? 
returning to the subject of goals and says, Zach curious uh, is curious about your first season. And if you have established hard goals for yourself. Yeah, I think, I think rookie of the year right now is an obvious goal. Um, I like to use the word goal rather than expectations. And just like in the past and, and Indy lights and throughout the road to Indy, you know, we, we approach every weekend the same and we have our, we have our set goals and uh, we, we prepare for, for those races coming up and it's just, it's all about executing. So um, I know how hard it's going to be. It's going to be the hardest challenge of, of my career. And I know that for sure. Um, but we've been working really hard this off season, um, especially, especially in the gym. I think um, IndyCar drivers are extremely fit and I think we're, we're a little bit underrated in, in that department. So um, that's been a main focus of mine. Let's go a little bit further in this direction, not just goals, but the weekends themselves that are coming up. So you're a really serious operator when it comes to your job. That's been one of the the core aspects of the success you've achieved so far. Outside of Mm -hmm. goals on the track, do you share some ideas, Oliver, the things that you're looking forward to, just maybe the fun parts of race weekends, fun parts of being a rookie whether it's fan interaction or, Hey, I've always wanted, I've never been to this track. I've always, I've heard there's awesome dinner, you know, food in this town. Just curious. Mm-hmm. Some of the less serious things you look forward to, like, all right, I'm writing these suckers down too. And the things to accomplish in 2020. I'm looking forward to, that's a great question. I'm looking forward to the build up to race day and, you know, the morning of, of Sunday, especially on Indy, on the Indy 500 day, um, you know, being in the big show is, is a, is a privilege. And, um, I feel like the hype and, and the energy around the track and the energy around the team going into that final race on Sunday is something that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. Um, the energy within the team right now at, at the shop and at the test has been great. And, uh, just looking forward to carrying that on through the season. Um, but as far as tracks that I'm looking forward to, to going to, obviously St. Pete's a, a home track for me and, um, looking forward to seeing some, some hometown friends and, and family coming out to support me. Um, Long Beach is a track that I haven't been to. Long Beach and, and Richmond, I think, are the final two tracks that I haven't been to. We just had a text, test at Texas Motor Speedway. Oh, Detroit as well. I haven't been there, so three tracks. Um, I'm looking forward to learning. So, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot to look forward to this year. Let's go to where are we going to go? Evan Kramer says Oliver with the news this week about some guy named Fernando joining the team for Indy says, what excites you the most about being associated with him? Uh, he also says, what do you hope to take away from being able to call Alonzo a teammate? Anything you plan to ask him on that first day of practice? And do you know Spanish, by the way, that might, uh, might just be another <laughs> layer of, of brohood you guys could achieve. No, but I know someone who does know Spanish. So do maybe there's going to be some, some okay. secret some secret language uh, talk going on on, on on one side of the engineering room. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge honor, um, massive privilege to, to be racing with, let alone share, share the team with uh, a driver of, of Fernando's caliber. And um, I've grown up, you know, watching formula one as a young kid and, and watching Fernando win championships and racing and, and races in Indy and sorry, <laughs> formula one. Um, so it's, it's going to be very interesting. I'm a sponge, so 
honestly, I won't won't have much to to ask him in, in the beginning, but I'm sure I'm I'm going to take take a lot in from how he goes through a race weekend and um yeah it's it's just going to be a great experience for me i think his his worth ethic from what i've heard is is second to none so i just want to be there when you say to him man i've been watching you in formula one since i was five years old and then just watch the look in his face go you mother (laughs) please 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 uh let's see this one's a little bit on breaking the ice it's from David Gallagher. It says, Oliver, congrats, man. It says, you made it to the pinnacle of the American open wheel uh, motorsports with a world-renowned team. It's awesome to see you uh, at the Florida Winter Tour five years ago and see you here now. It says, as you've now settled into the team, gotten to know the folks within the team supporting you, how do you look to continue building these relationships throughout the season? It says, I imagine as the pilot of this machine, there's a lot that goes into communicating with folks behind the pit wall. Um, but that communication really truly translates into the team's performance. Just curious about some of the things you've done to break the ice, get to know people and help build that communication as you and I know, and as fans, you know, continue to learn, boy, you might be the world's most talented race car driver, but you aren't the one on the setup pad. You aren't the one knowing, uh, what ride height and what, center of pressure to use and so on or race strategy or you name it uh you can be the most talented driver in the world and fail because your communication skills i was gonna say suck but are garbage (laughs) tell us about this process because you're new to it on the indycar level at least Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great great question like i said before there's a um a young group of of hungry guys working on the car and uh I've, i've spent um a lot of time around the shop and the team throughout this winter and this off season, I've, I've moved to Indianapolis to make sure that I have the opportunity to do that. And, um, I've been going to the gym with the guys, um, Tuesdays and, and Thursdays at 8am every morning. So, um, I think that's, that's one of those, um, areas that's, you know, nice to break, break the ice with the guys and build that relationship with them. Um, my engineer is, is American. I haven't had an, an American engineer, at least throughout the road to Indy. So I think, um, our lingo will, will work well. And, um, so far it has, we've, we've gotten along really well as Blair Perschbacher, who's, who's been with the team for a long time, um, and has a lot of experience in IndyCar. So, yeah, I think. What about extracurricular stuff? You know, not, not just the gym, which is kind of work, which is work related, but actual pizza, beer, movie night, whatever. Some of the things that builds, deeper bonds beyond uh peer-to-peer work stuff yeah not, not just yet um but I'm, I'm sure there will be opportunities for us to to do some uh some fun things out outside the, the racing industry how about pranks have you been the recipient of any yet because you got some uh, folks on that team that i just i'm telling you if it hasn't happened yet it's coming of of what sorry pranks pranks oh <laughs> well i'm a big prankster too so we'll we'll see uh, yeah i don't i haven't i haven't been pranked yet but um mm. actually I, I do have a couple couple pranks i need to pull one's on my teammate good talk about that too much that's easy though that guy I tell you yeah uh let's go to jordan darwin this is oliver what kind of help does robert wickens bring to the team since he has recent experience in the current indycar aero configuration and you just mentioned blair Perschbacher, wiki and blair 
made them a whole bunch of speed when they worked together in 2018. Yeah, Robert, honestly, is is one of the smartest racing drivers I've ever met. Um, he knows so much about how the car works and, and how to get the lap time out of the car. And he's a great resource to have on the pit wall to, you know, to talk to whenever I come in. Um, he knows exactly what I'm talking about because he has recent experience driving this, this new car. And, um, yeah, just all around a great, great guy. And, um, we, we started building our relationship back in 2000, uh, I want to say 16 when we, we actually raced together in carts at the, the Florida winter tour. And, um, we, we've, uh, yeah, bec- became friends since then. And it's great to, ha- great to be working with him. And what is that like? Oliver, knowing that on the road to Indy, certainly it's a coaching environment. IndyCar, a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit of a a more intensive thing, I would say. What's it like having someone who you know has been podium-bound, you know, would have left the 2018 season with one or two wins at least had things gone uh, his way? But what's it like having someone who you know you can rely on, who has your best interest in heart, and has been a guy who has visited the podiums you desire. Yeah, I think as an IndyCar driver, you're expected right away to to be on on the podium and to represent the team well, and and to and to be quick enough to win races. And um, I think having him around is he's a great resource to help me manage the the race weekends. I think because they're going to be a lot busier than than I've experienced in the past and. I think the road to Indy has definitely prepared me in that way as well. Um, the structure is, is very much similar and, um, yeah, just, just having him on the radio and, um, as a resource to kind of guide me through the race weekend and guide me through what to expect, um, throughout a, a race stint, I think is, is extremely important and, um, not, not many teams have that, um, uh, that resource. So I feel pretty lucky in that, in that place. Let's go to Tu Yang, who says, Oliver, you and Kyle Kirk Kirkwood both have various successful junior series records. Says the two of you also come from Jupiter, Florida. Asked, What's Never in heard the- of them. Yeah, I know. Um, whatever happened to that guy? Just kind of disappeared. I don't know. Um, he asks, what's in the water in Jupiter? Please don't say lead. Um, <laughs> that made the- you and Kyle such great drivers. <laughs> And he says, uh, do you know Kyle and are you good friends? So I'm not going to answer any of this. Uh, you can pretend to know who this theoretical, that Kyle Kirkwood name sounds like a witness relocation thing, doesn't it? <laughs> is this a real yeah. guy? He is a real guy. Yeah, we're, we're really good friends. And we, um, we started racing together in, in cadet carts when we were, well, he was five and I was seven and it was just him and I at this, at, it was called the John Smith subs club series at Marosa Motorsports park now known as Palm Beach International Raceway. So, um, known him since then, and we've been competing against each other since then. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, we spent, I think four, three or four years together at Ocala Grand Prix, um, which is three hours North of us in Ocala, Florida. That's a, that's a karting team, um, that we both race for. And I think that's, those years of, of our lives um, definitely helped us hone our skills. And I think that's, that's what's kind of um, put, put both Kyle and I in the position we are today. Um, just that kickstart early on in our careers definitely helped. What's it like seeing as well, Oliver, that he has been able to follow in your footsteps uh, after earning the Indy Pro 2000 title 
and move up to Indy Lights and a team you know a little bit about, a team that you did some pretty good things with, uh, I'm guessing you have to feel happy for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it just it just turned out turns out that um, he's raced for a lot of the teams that I have, most of the teams that I have in the past. And um, sounds stalkerish almost. Yeah, well, most of the time it's their their top team, so um, it's it's the best. It's been the best place for for both of our careers, and um, yeah, I, I look look forward to seeing his success in the future. Another quick note here is that Jupiter's also been a very popular town in Florida for sports car teams over many, many years. Uh, IMSA, Grand Am, you name it, quite a few teams have been based out of good old Jupiter. Going to go to Lance Snyder, our man Lance. says, Oliver, in 2015, you went to China for six events. What was that experience like? Great question. Uh, yeah, not, not many people know that that's, um, that's where I kind of began my open-wheel career in China. I had the opportunity to race there with Absolute Racing. Um, they do a lot of sports car racing as well, and now they're they're racing in F3 Asia, I believe. Um, great team, and it, it was a great experience. Um, first, I, I spent two race weekends there, one in Zhuhai, which is close to Macau, permanent track in Zhuhai. Yeah. Um, didn't do so well there because it was my first, um, my very first car race, so um, great experience then, and then I took that experience to the second weekend in Shanghai, Shanghai, China, on the Formula One circuit and um was on the podium twice out of the three races so um it was it was a great experience obviously um a great great country a very different different culture which was uh, a great experience so um yeah it was all in all looking back at it it was um a pretty cool opportunity what kind of culture shock did you have or not have tall blonde kid <laughs> uh really good at english um yeah, that's but that's about it I, I was I was looked at as a, I got a couple of weird looks like I was an alien being much taller and, and blonde. Uh, so um, nice people, though. That's a fine answer. <laughs> Let's go another little bit of international uh, question for you. This comes from our pal Joshua Barrett. It says, what are Oliver's memories of racing Formula Ford here in the U.K.? Boy, that's uh, that was an opportunity you used to make some folks stand up and pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a fantastic experience with Jeremy Shaw and the Team USA scholarship. Um, I think they're going on thirty-two years now. Yeah, back when I think Jimmy Vassar was the first driver there. Yep. Don't quote me on that. Maybe nineteen ninety. James um, Axel Vassar, indeed. Yep. So um, yeah, great, great, um, great opportunity, great program. Um, awesome to see that uh, the Team USA scholarship going strong to this day. And um, Kyle, Kyle Kirkwood and I um, had the opportunity to go there and race at the Formula Ford Festival and Walter Hayes Trophy. And, yeah, the, the racing was nose to tail as, as 16, F1600 racing is and as Formula Ford racing is. So um, it kind of reminded me of, of my, my karting experience, and I think that definitely helped my, my results there. We... Um, finished second at the Walter Hayes Trophy and should have been on the podium as well at the Formula Ford Festival. So um, I look back at that as as a kickstart to my road to Indy career. And uh, Jeremy introduced uh, both Kyle and I to many people in, in the open wheel and North American car racing industry. So um, another huge opportunity early on. 
That was how I met you, introduced yeah. by Jeremy at, I think, Petit Le Mans, whatever it was. And mm-hmm. it's weird, and I'm not saying this because you're on the show, but for folks who are fans and observe the sport, I don't know if you've if they've had a chance to experience this thing, but at least for someone like me who's deep embedded in the sport, there's some young talents that you meet, even if you're just meeting them for the first time, meaning I haven't seen you race. Uh, I haven't been there watching you in your formative years and karting or whatever, but I maybe heard of you, but meeting you for the first time, you look at the kid and go, oh, there's something special coming here. <laughs> the the witness relocation guy, not so much. You, on the other <laughs> hand, it was pretty clear, like, all right, this kid's going to do something special. And it's just been cool to see that uh, whatever little spidey sense I had in Jeremy and many others, like, all right, kid's living up to it. Uh, let's go to William Matson. Says, hey, Oliver, I've been following you since I first saw you race in USF 2000 at IMS in 2017. He says, at what point in your career did you first think you had a solid shot at getting into IndyCar? I think that had to, it's got to go back to team, the Team USA opportunity and, and especially the USF 2000 um, opportunity with, with Mazda Motorsports winning the scholarship at Laguna Seca. Um, that enabled me to race in the 2017 season. So, um, I think when I first, when I won my first race in St. Pete, I think that, yeah, that was race two of that weekend. That's when I realized, okay, like I can do this, you know, coming, coming from carts, you can win races, but some, some guys go to open wheel racing and, it, and it's much more difficult for them. But to win, to win on my first week weekend in USF 2000, I think that was, that was massive for my confidence. And once I began, um, I, I won a couple more races and, and began meeting people in the IndyCar paddock and, and the IndyCar world. I think that's when I realized that, okay, this is, this is possible. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of when I, I began, my vision really became uh, alive at that point. Oliver's vision quest coming <laughs> to an IndyCar track near you. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, dang it. We've made it this far without a question about that award guy, but I guess we'll include him. That guy, I tell you. Uh, this comes in from Gino Morales. Says, I've got a question. Oliver, you're now a part of the McLaren family. He says, are you and Patricio... In any kind of close touch or touch at all with your fellow McLaren drivers, Carlos Sainz Jr. and Lando Norris. He says, like, do you do fun stuff every now and then? He says, how's that, how's that McLaren connection going? So, yeah, tell us about the sleepovers and pizza parties that you have. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, uh, washing cars at the local McLaren dealership. All four of you guys have to take turns doing so. Uh, but what is that like? Do you guys get to be bros and chill at all or is this kind of walled off two separate worlds well obviously we live on on two separate sides of the world but uh the McLaren connection is is very strong um we i met lando and carlos for the first time at coda at the usgp right after our announcement um i think pato has met lando before but uh we we haven't spent too much time with them but um we we and we don't talk too much but we expect to um, be at some of their event, events and maybe they can come over and to some of our events as well. So um, two great guys and uh, they have a, they have a great, great pairing in formula one. And we're looking to kind of, kind of emulate that, that pairing here in, in IndyCar. Speaking of Pato, 
who, while he was briefly involved with the Red Bull team, was referred to as Potato. Do you have any nicknames that uh, either your new team's given you or your teammate? And if not, man, we're going to get started. Yeah, not not yet. I'll have to get back to you on that one. But I think Pato's stuck. Um, people are calling me Ollie, which is okay. I don't mind that. But uh, those are nickname. Those are nicknames that we like. Typically, nicknames that people call us um, we 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 don't like, and those are the ones that stick. So maybe maybe the fans or or you, Marshall, have to come up with new ones. Oh, trust me, this year is going <laughs> to suck for you if that becomes a target. <laughs> um, let's go to our pal Tim Falkowitz, who says. Oliver, with a connection to the McLaren F1 team, do you have any aspirations of that little Grand Prix uh, championship they run over in Europe and around the world? Uh, just curious, are you solely setting your eyes on IndyCar, or you a nudging Zach Brown and Gilles DeFerrin saying, hey, you know, I hear that you do these tests over there. Maybe uh, maybe I could fit in one. Yeah, it's it's very easy to, to look in that direction, but honestly, right now... Um, I need to prove myself in IndyCar first, right? So I know that there may be some some tests, uh, some rookie tests available um, on on the McLaren Formula One side. But uh, like I said, right now I'm just focused on what we're doing here, focused on the first couple of races and getting through the season, and, and we'll see what happens. The smart thing, which you've obviously recognized and put into play, is to wait for them to tap you on the shoulder. Instead right. of being the little puppy going, when, 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 can I, can yeah. I, can I, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they know that I'd love to, but I'll wait for, for their blessing. Formula One's for idiots, says, ask you, who would want to drive one of those crap boxes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, of course you're going to want to do that. Uh, yeah. Let's go to Kevin DeVries as we start to wind down. We're getting down to the last couple of questions. Says, Oliver, how do you prefer your car to feel? Now, I assume we're, assume we're about to get into handling compared to emotions. Do you like a happy car, Oliver? A sad car? Moody? Um, Kevin says, has it changed as you've progressed up the ladder and matured as a driver? Does your setup preference carry through the different road to Indy cars? Or does each chassis have a different inherent feel or need that requires you to adapt your driving setup? So, you know, oversteer guy, understeer guy, neutral guy, what have you... What do you want from a car, handling-wise, um, as you've come up the ladder and now that you've got an Indy car? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I think in the early junior junior formulas, formulas like USF 2000 and Indy Pro 2000, um, you can get away with dumping a lot of brake and not using much brake entering the corners and kind of using the front tires to slow you down. But it seems like as you as you race heavier cars like Indy Lights and now, now Indy Car, which is the heaviest, heaviest car I've driven, um, it's much more front ride height sensitive. So you do have to trail a bit more brake into the corners, which is, which is not something I'm used to, but I'm, I think I've gotten the hang of it by, by, at this point. And um, I think that driving style that I've, I've looked to early on in my career has come from karting, where where you know you just use you use the brake early on in the corner and just dump off and, and and you know the cart flexes and you use the front tires to slow down um but i think that i've i've kind of moved away from that stock that style and it's it's suited the indy car better um i'm not a driver that likes a certain balance like oversteer understeer neutral or anything like that i i i know that certain tracks require certain 
a certain balance and uh, certain certain setups require a certain driving style. So I'm more of someone who learns to drive what I have, basically. You are the constantly evolving unicorn. That's interesting. There, there aren't <laughs> many that fall into that category, man. I, this is great. This is a great discovery. Well, it's, it's important because the, the track changes all the time as well. And it, it requires a different, different driving style. And if you're, if you're so stuck to what you like, something that you don't like is going to pop up and you're, you're not going to know what to do with it. So yeah, we saw that. We saw that dynamic play out last year at Dale coin racing where Mm -hmm. some consistent changes to Firestone's tires last year ended up really not jiving with Sebastian's wants and needs from the car. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he frankly spent a lot of sessions befuddled by it and Mm -hmm. uh, would describe when we would do our little hamburger and French fry shows, maybe uh, on a Friday, he'd be not in a very happy place or fast place. And by, you know, after qualifying would say, you know, I ran poor Craig Hampson around this whole wheel of like, oh, my God, I can't drive it. Let's try this. Let's try that. And ultimately, we came back to where we started and I'm now just kind of able to live with it. So um, interesting, though, to then see on the uh, on the flip side his uh, young rookie teammate who seemed to be completely unfazed, like, oh, well, it's doing whatever. Uh, I don't have a hardcore need uh, handling wise, and therefore I can adapt. So, uh, that style, your style, not so much the most common thing that we come across, but I'd say it's going to serve you well, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to the last two questions. We'll go to the penultimate one. I love that word. It makes me sound like me smart in the head. <laughs> uh, this comes from Ryan Ward it says, Oliver, what have you learned thus far about Pato's driving style? and his setup style and any preferences he might have that you think might help you to onboard and become an even better driver. And also asks, do you think Pato's learned anything from you? That's a cute one, Ryan, like Pato can learn anything. Come on. (laughs) That is a great question. And, um, to answer it, I think our setups move in the, in a similar direction. I think our, our cars are, um, typically end up very similar and to answer that in a different way, his, his driving style is a bit harder on tires than mine. So I have to, um, it seems like I've had to work a little bit harder to get the most out of the peak of the tire. Whereas he's had to work a little bit harder to keep the tire consistent over a run. And, and I think that's, that's what we both learn from each other. I think he can, um, maybe be, not more consistent, but, but easier on a tire through a stint, especially when, when the track's hot and ambient's hot and, and maybe I can get a little bit more out of the tire over a qualifying simulation. Um, that's what, what we've seen so far. And, um, I'm sure that the styles are going to come to, you know, meet in the middle at some point. So. Awesome. Well, I said we had one more to go. I just realized that I wanted to throw in a couple other quick ones here. Anytime we get questions from our friends in Sweden, we got one from, uh, Frederick, Walkman and let's see another one that we'll use from Jonas Magnuson. It says, hi, Oliver. Congratulations to have this great opportunity. I read your mother is from Sweden that you spent some summers there when you were younger. Just curious. Do you speak Swedish or understand the language? So tell us about this fine American story, right? We're all mutts. Most of us. Um, Tell us about this, this cool youth of yours and cool lineage. Yeah. So yeah, I do. I do speak speak a little bit, but I feel like I can understand more 
then I can speak. And I, I think that's common for, for people, um, um, people learning a different, different language. And I don't spend so much time in Sweden, but when I do, um, normally in the winter time when we're, we're not racing in the summer, um, it, it starts to come back to me. So, um, I, I do really enjoy it there. It's, uh, it's where most of our family lives. We don't have, have so much family in the States, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a place that I look forward to visiting every single year. And, um, yeah, my mom cooks, my mom cooks great Swedish food as well. So that's a great perk. So what do we say? We've got two and a half Swedes on the grid this year, then between you and Rosenquist and Ericsson or, uh, granted size wise, we might have three and a half cause you know, <laughs> Felix is about two foot one and it's not as if Marcus is giant or small, but yeah. you know, you could dunk on both of them pretty easily. Yeah, I'd say I'd say we've got two and a half. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But maybe that just means Felix is only half a man. I don't know. We'll we'll leave <laughs> we'll leave the math up to others. All right, let's close on this, knowing that we both need to get rolling here. From our pal Bryson Frank, who says, Oliver, I recently saw where you and Pato visited the MTC in Woking. And I'll ask you to tell folks what that is in a moment. He says, Of all the amazing cars there, which one would you choose to drive on a track day? if given the opportunity and why uh, see we're not closing on an easy one that's actually pretty dang tough to answer that is a really tough question there's so many there's so much history there and so many cars um so many legendary cars that have won formula one world championships and, and formula one um races as well as Lamar cars as well which is really cool to see and um honestly when i first um it was around 2007 2008 when i first began to love, love racing and open wheel racing, Formula One and IndyCar. Um, that's when, 2008 is when Hamilton won his, his, I think it was his first championship. Yeah. Um, that classic at Brazil. And that was the McLaren uh, MP4 23, I believe. And that, that car was there. And I, I'd have to say, um, I'd have to say that car because that's, that's, that's when I was watching on TV. Um, so it, it, I also think it's the best looking. So, and yeah. that V10 scream yes, as well. It's a beautiful sound. And you meant the MTC there, the McLaren Technical Center. You also mentioned some of the sports cars, and uh, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask. So, was there a sports car that stood out to you? And does sports car racing hold any interest for you? knowing that I believe a certain guy by the name of Zach Brown has this United Autosports team. And, you know, there's uh, there's some fun stuff there, too. Yeah, sports car racing has always always caught my eye. And uh, I, I watch, at an early age, I watch both um, American Le Mans series racing and, and, uh, and racing in Europe. So um, like, like other IndyCar drivers, I hope that one day I can, I can maybe run a couple of endurance races in, in the offseason, maybe, maybe in the season as well. Uh, that would be awesome. Well, I'm gonna say I'm just gonna nominate one of the old McLaren M8B Can-Am cars for you to drive. Yeah. You know, uh, eight nine hundred horsepower, just a laughable amount of non-downforce, mm-hmm. huge ride height, slip angle all day. I think that would be all kinds of fun. I, I hope Zach's Zach's listening. Oh, maybe he can. Uh, yes, he can. He can let us go out on a track day. He has a lot of. of, of personal vintage cars as well so i think he might need yeah. a test driver i don't know who negotiated your contract man i'm just saying they might have failed you a little bit because i would have gotten <laughs> signed up for that deal too right. um oliver ask you 
thanks for spending some time, my man. Going to look forward to seeing how this season rolls off for you. And yeah, yeah that rookie of the year goal of yours, uh, the thing you're going to be chasing, I think we're going to be really surprised if you are not in that conversation by the end of the year. And I'm sure we're going to have you on here more than once before the season's done. Thank you, Marshall. And thanks, thanks to the listeners as well. Thank you for the questions. Thanks again to Oliver for making some time for us. We will have him back for sure. And we're going to continue trying to have fun with Oliver. He's a very serious workman-like young man. That's a great thing. But we're also going to keep trying to tune him up a little bit. A couple more laughs, a couple more non-traditional answers. We're going to keep working on him. But there's the bones of something good there. I'm really happy about that. Thank you again for all your questions here on our listener-driven Weekend IndyCar guest episode. If you haven't captured the... Boy, you sent in a bunch of questions this week for the listener Q&A show. That's waiting for you as well on marshallpruittpodcast.com. Also, we have a subscribe page there, which has a variety of ways for you to catch every episode the moment that they land. Say thanks again. Once more to close as we roll in our outro music from Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets, USA.